Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast that dissects Who Framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time, with special guest, Niall McGowan. That's right. We are Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, and we are here with minute 33 of the movie. I am Chris Blair, joined by Annie McMullen. Hello, hello. And joining us one more time, we've got, from the Bat Minute, Niall McGowan. Hey! <laughs> hey. I don't know, I, th- I, th- I thought that I was like, oh, I, to, I should say something really toony and funny, and that was <laughs> the best I had was, hey! I mean, I feel bad that would go under the jurisdiction of what a tube would say. That's, hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite cartoon character? Um, well, I did give a lot of love to... Uh, to Daffy earlier. He would have been mm. my favorite back when I was a kid. Uh, obviously, I have other things like, you know, Brave Star and stuff are like cartoons I grew up with. Animaniacs, again, another big one, really influential on me. Uh, I think probably in my later years, I'd be like, Daria. Daria mm. is a card. Was it, does Daria live in Toontown? Is that a thing that would happen in modern day Toontown where you'd have? Yeah, because if you have Daria there, then I feel like you'd also have like Beavis and Butthead over there in Toontown. It's Toontown starts getting really weird. Yeah, Beavis Beavis and Butthead, I imagine, fitting right in. But uh, actually, I'll rectify that. Love the show, Daria. Jane in Daria. Jane Lane, Mm. her best friend. That was my favorite character on the show. We are here with Minute 33 of the movie. Minute 33 begins with Eddie exclaiming weasels. And it ends with Doom holding the shoe. Mm. So I'm very excited to talk about this minute because the weasels are my favorite characters in the movie. The weasels, they're all actually named. Originally, they were based off the seven dwarves, but uh, two of the weasels got cut. Um, they're the weasels are Smartass, the lead one, who is voiced by David Lander, best known as Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Mm. Greasy. The, uh, previously worked with Robert Zemeckis on Used Cars, which I just watched oh. this week, weirdly enough. There's a little scene with um, him and Michael McKean, of course, also a, a Laverne and Shirley holdover. And I was like, oh, it's weird. It's like, and then once you know the Squiggy voice... And then you hear him talking, you're like, of course that's Squiggy. Yeah, totally. I, I didn't know it yeah. was a kid, but now it's like, oh, it's so obvious that it's him. Yeah, very, very unique voice. And I guess one of one of Zemeckis' guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also should feel obligated to mention, uh, of course, he does feature in an episode of Batman, the animated series <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah. And also because I'm a massive Twin Peaks fan, he does mm. feature in, he's in Twin Peaks for a couple episodes as well. He's uh, You guys should just do like six degrees of Batman. Yeah. Where you just go through and identify everybody who's somehow been or near a, a Batman property. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for anyone who's not listened to Batman. It's, that's basically what the show is. <laughs> <laughs> we have Greasy, who's voiced by Charles Fleischer, of course, voice of Roger Rabbit. Uh, Greasy is the one in the green outfit. Mm. We have Psycho, the wild eyes, also voiced by Charles Fleischer. Uh, Psycho has just a great voice, great laugh. Wheezy, voiced by June Foray, who normally did animal voices in Disney cartoons, like uh, did Lucifer from Cinderella, the cat. And we've got Stupid, 
voiced by Fred Newman, who did not do much. They cut out two of them uh, who were going to be named Slimy and Flasher. I I am very angry Flasher was (laughs) I think we could have had a much different film and it feels like a miss. I (laughs) release the Flasher cut. Yeah, we (laughs) want Flasher. Yeah, it's a good chance the legacy of Roger Rabbit might not be as pristine uh, had Flasher been included as a character. I mean, might have hung out with Baby Herman. The two of them might have been uh, very good friends, seems like. He would have hung out, all right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the biggest miss since they didn't release the butthole cut of Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, um, you guys, uh, sorry, should say, Roger doesn't feature in these minutes. Uh, so I have no remit to talk about Charles Fleischer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, although one of my other big icebreaker things is always like, you know, that one bit, that one scene in Zodiac, that guy's Roger Rabbit. That one usually gets people because everybody knows Zodiac and everybody knows Roger Rabbit. So. Wh- which scene in Zodiac? Yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, this, you know, the big scene near the end where um, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to collect oh, the, the poster and yeah. the creepy guy who brings him down. And for a split basement. second, you're like, that guy, oh, you're oh. that guy, he must be the Zodiac. That's that's Charles Fleischer. That's Roger Rabbit. So I, okay, wow. I did not have that in my Charles Fleischer notes. I love that. Oh, it's a, <laughs> what I remember finding that out probably like you know, a couple of months after Zodiac came out and been like, what? <laughs> so that's why it became a, a firm bow in my conversational repertoire. <laughs> was some other some other facts about these weasels is that they did loosely appear originally in one of my favorite Disney films, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, where, you know, there's weasels very similar to these ones. You don't get these exact ones, but it's a sim- they're, they're essentially weasels within the same world as the ones from, from the Mr. Toad cartoon. Um, I I love the weasels. You know when they when they sort of like Tokyo drift into this warehouse and uh, <laughs> all kind of you know like slowly tumble out of this car. There's this uh, one frame where like I and I don't know which one is which based on their names, uh, but you know the main weasel is in front and they're all kind of flanking them and it looks like the beginning of like a music video or something mm. i want to see these weasels uh dance alongside paula abdul oh uh, <laughs> absolutely which fun fact i was just i was looking that up because i was like why do these weasels remind me of mc scat cat who's the cat that, that paula abdul dances with in the opposites attract video uh and it, they MC Scat Cat is like clearly supposed to be some kind of like 90s. You guys remember in the 90s when like there was a big swing situation happening, like swing dancing got really cool. Mambo number five, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 So I think he he um he's kind of supposed to be like a a 90s guy who's like retro, right? Uh and they said that it was from it was inspired by Anchors Away, that old movie where where um I think Gene Kelly is dancing with uh whichever one's the mouse from Tom and Jerry. See, I'm the, I'm the person who knows all the facts here. I'm the one who does the deep <laughs> research and it is well-formed. But anyways, it's from 1991. And I can't help but think, because I can't help but think that it, it was more about like Roger Rabbit, because there was this huge resurgence of like live action and animation right around this time period after this movie came out. And there, it was just 
there was a lot of random stuff where there was people in cartoons and to varying levels of quality. Mm, mm. Let's see, yeah. Maybe you guys like, aren't yeah. as big Paul Abdul fans as I was. I was just even <laughs> thinking of something like, uh, like Cool World as well. That's the same yeah. kind of vibe, as, but that's, a, that's all very retro. It's the same, actually, the same kind of pitch almost as Roger Rabbit, even in its mm. own in its own way as well. But yeah, it was a, it was a thing. It never really it knows until you pointed. Yeah, yeah, it was a thing. Maybe, um, maybe it'll come back. People are into the capes are coming back, and now well, at, at, you know <laughs> animated characters next to, <laughs> to normal. Well, people. we were we've talked about this, and we just don't think that they would do it CGI. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't use practical effects. Um, and we just don't think you would, in today's, you know, um, studio environment, you you wouldn't be able to get this movie or no. the quality of it. Yeah, it would, no it would you it would be the weird uncanny valley thing, right? Where it's like almost too real to be. Mm, it would just be weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, what you were saying earlier about them Tokyo drifting in. Yeah. Now I just want to. Well, there's the there's the future of Fast and Furious for you right there. Just Toon Squad shows up, yeah. Vin Diesel driving that taxi. You know, it's a, the Weezers are like, it's about family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they start off as the bad guys in one movie. In the next movie, somehow they're part of the team now. <laughs> there's a random weasel hanging in the background with everybody. Else. I have actually never seen the Fast and Furious. If my sister was watching it the Any other day. No, none of them. I've actively avoided wow. them. Mm. Uh, the closest I've been is I went on the ride at Universal Studios. Oh, that so, is a bad ride. So I know it's about family. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it's not even a ride. It's the studio tour. It's part of the studio. I didn't like opt in to the Fast and Furious section. Uh. <laughs> it, it, it comes along with the rest of the studio tour. Oh, um, in, the, in the Florida uh, park, it is. It's a ride by itself. So it's very... Yeah. Uh, the, very the, the LA one is not... Mm -hmm. It's a small park, but um, yeah, Fast and Furious is a thing I can recommend, but it is a, it's a it's a matter of, of endurance. Like the first <laughs> three movies are like, eh, you know, the first one's basically it's the poor man's point break, basically. Yeah. And then the there's like, oh, why are these things so popular? And then it comes to the fourth one and it starts getting ridiculous. And then eventually it turns into like it basically is a cartoon. Where it's yeah. like cars in space, you know, it it starts to know that it's stupid, and yeah. then it becomes great. <laughs> like then you can get fully on board with. We know all the all the crappy, you know, family jokes and stuff are coming here and all this kind of business, but it also manages to be quite emotional at times too. Where it gets you get involved with Vin Diesel's character and his love interests, and you're like, oh my god, they got me. They after they took them ten movies but they got me with a stupid car race movie. Listen, Niall, you don't have to defend yourself for loving Fast and Furious. It's okay, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie being defiant against Judge Doom just continues here when uh, Judge Doom asks him about where he is and he just gives these names of all these different places. I don't see that much of a connection in these names aside from they're all like pretty much alliterative. Uh, this this stuck out to me now though, um, as a because I'm a person who frequently frequently uh, quotes The Simpsons, and of course there's a lot. There's the episode where Homer goes to clown school and Krusty's mm. talking about like the various of uh, you know remember your your funny place names and he goes Walla Walla Cucamonga, and I was like oh maybe it's a is it a thing and then he mentions like and Seattle and then Homer's probably pissing himself at oh, <laughs> Seattle, um, yeah. 
And I never looked them up because I assumed they would have been like these are made up or they're like, you know, it's this is kind of like a like a xenophobic oh aren't places in other countries you know weird kind of thing. I was stunned. I looked up Walla Walla and Cucamonga to discover that they're in the U.S. Yep. Like Walla Walla <laughs> is in Washington. I was like, yeah. what? I assumed it was like an island somewhere or something. Which when you just say Walla Walla, you're making the mistake. You have that third alliterative word there where you could just be Walla Walla Washington. <laughs> or just Walla Walla Walla. Walla Walla yeah. And then I guess I'm looking up and so I always thought of, um, you know, that phrase, like, oh, the city's so nice, they named it twice. I thought that was to do with New York because of New York, New York, the song. And then they're like, no, that's that's Walla Walla. Walla Walla is the, the town so nice they named it twice. They're like, oh, I didn't know. This is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great name. Whoever thought of that, genius. Mm. I believe they're both Native American terms. Mm. I think they're uh, um, you know, different Native American tribes. But yeah, Cucamonga and Walla Walla are both uh, derived from... I think I actually wrote down what was one of them. They have specific meanings. Um, take a fight. Yeah, uh, Walla Walla is uh, Nez Perce. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it means the place of many waters. Yeah, wow. There, there. And then well, Cucamonga is actually Rancho Cucamonga in California, uh, and it's a, to- a Tonga word for sandy place. So, sandy uh, place. But <laughs> I also got a, a little. I always love doing little. Everything's connected. Uh, it's one of our things. I always do on Batman. Uh, and apparently, Cucamonga as a comedy sounding name was popularized on the Jack Benny show, uh, where they used to have uh, you know, a fake radio announcement going, listing a few names, and then go, Cucamonga would be the sort of iconic last one. Uh, and the guy who did it on that show was Mel Blank, who, of course, was the guy who would go on to judge, to voice Daffy Duck and Barney Rubble. And a whole host of famous cartoon characters who feature in this very movie. So wow, everything really is connected. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm still just reeling from Walla Walla being in, being in Washington. This is like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> no idea. Great choices from Eddie, who's just really showing off his tune side here too. Mm, mm. I think he he knows these names from hanging around with tunes back in the day. They would have been spouting funny place names on them all the time like ah, i remember a couple of them yeah yeah very bugs bunny type terms mm. uh, judge doom just really gives that little indication that he knows about teddy with with his line there too um about him appreciating the magnitude of this situation yeah yeah that and also i think it's a little like um he's bragging mm. you know like like, can't you appreciate how incredible it is that a meager tune would kill a human? Yeah. That's also weird, too, because it's him who killed both of them as well. Yeah. So right. Is he the only tune who's ever killed a human? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe accidentally. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Mm. I, I love everything about his swagger here, though. Particularly, like, you know, not go back at the last minute, but the whole thing of, like, my men will find them. And then you find out his men are a private force he employs who yes. don't seem to be policemen. They're random gangster weasels. Yes. And the cops are just okay because this corrupt judge is like, I've got my private guys <laughs> who will 
find this rabbit and instantly kill him. Like there's no judgment. The judgment's already been passed. Like he's yeah. gonna he's gonna die. It's um I, I, I don't know, I just really love that as a as a as a villain move where he's mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't even got corrupt policemen with me. I've got just random and everything about the weasels is fascinating to me. Like uh, and their relationship with Doom. Just yeah. Why why are they working against other tunes? Why well, aren't they in disguises as well? Why has he decided to be disguised and then they've not? And like there's a whole there's a massive, massive like you know, can of worms the the open. But I'm sure you guys will get into it as you go on throughout the rest of the movie and stuff. Yeah, I mean, my thought is that like he, you know, since he's working with Arcane Maroon, maybe he has connections because when in the willows cartoon comes out two years later so this might have been the weasel's ticket into getting those roles is you know they're playing along with judge doom they get a they get to be put in a movie Mm. well i think we know that like you know tunes don't follow normal rules for whatever species they are like obviously our shoes don't walk around on their own and whatnot but they do retain some characteristics of whatever they're based on and they're weasels right and weasels hunt rabbits uh and they're also like pretty like sneaky and shifty or at least that's that's the stereotype about them and i think tune the tune versions of things tend to lean really hard into the stereotypes of whatever the things are so Mm. to me it kind of makes sense that like that's the reason they're weasels is because that's like what we we call somebody who's maybe like shifty a weasel Mm. but then they also he he doom says at one point he says like i find they have a special knack for the work or something like that and um yeah they're they're weasels they're good at hunting rabbits Mm. do we is there any indication in the movie do they know that judge doom is a tune or is he fooling everybody Mm. i was wondering that like it's it's really hard to tell I, I don't think the weasels know because they're all very dumb. Mm. <laughs> That's very true. Even the one like smartass who is the smartest of all of them and their leader is very stupid. So that says a lot about the rest yeah. of them. Yeah, he says we got lots of deformants. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he messes up words a lot in, yeah. in this movie. It's full on Ricky from Trailer Park Boys kind of <laughs> material <laughs> as it goes yeah. on. Oh, actually that's a good point yeah because if, if one of them knew they'd probably just blurt it out at some point but mm. like they, they couldn't keep a secret like that. yeah yeah you no. can't you can't have secrets with weasels yeah i do you brought up you brought it up chris that um you know eddie's got his like tuniness on display and i do think that's really interesting that when he's faced with uh he's he's up against like we we know he 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 wants to just like rid himself of everything of tunes. He hates them. He's mad at them, you know, because they killed his brother, blah, 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 blah. So he doesn't like anything that they do. He's pretty disgusted with them in general. But then when he's put in this situation where he's confronted by somebody who is like hyperhuman because he's pretending to be a human, that he reverts back to being more like a tune in mm. like this weird little rebellion move. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that is interesting. I wonder if it's kind of like uh like how if you have an accent like and you you lose it and then you hang around like your family who has it you kind of pick it up again like, yes yeah. maybe maybe also <laughs> lieutenant santino in this scene looks like he's gonna piss himself he's terrified of yes. just doom <laughs> and i'm not sure we understand why 
I mean, he's about to show you why you should be scared of him. You think Santino's seen this before? He's like, oh, he's yeah, always think, doing this. I'm, he's always just dipping shoes at parties. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably he probably has seen Judge Doom do some nefarious stuff. Like he's probably seen him where you know he can stomach seeing a guy's head flattened by a safe, but what Judge Doom does the tunes, he just yeah. finds abhorrent. Yeah, um, I mean it's pretty terrible. Like this, we get the we get the beginning of what is going to be everyone's least favorite minute of the podcast next week, but we get that that first instant of of what's going to happen when that shoe rubs against judge doom's shoe this shoe does nothing wrong aside from maybe being a little too forward with with doom shoes yeah it's also too like essentially what he's doing if we don't take this shoe to be as sentient as say roger or, or jessica mm-hmm. it's basically like he's come into a crime scene and has chosen to kill like a dog in front of everybody mm-hmm. just yeah. to, just to, as a power move it's so it's so horrible, like with the and, and yeah. the fact that they make the shoe so cute and stuff as well. It's just like yeah, the fact that it is so much like a dog just makes it even worse. Like it just because uh, I think we at this moment we just appreciate how cute and pure joy this shoe is. That it just makes everything that happens way way worse. I think that one of the most iconic parts of this whole scene to me as well and i really have to applaud the foley people it's, it's the sound of them putting on the glove just the stretching yes. of the rubber it's because uh, it's it's once you know what's coming i think even if you didn't know it was coming i can't say because I, uh, I can't remember the last the first time i ever saw this movie <laughs> because you know it was so ingrained in my childhood but i think it, it does a great job of building up the atmosphere it's like they're making a big deal of him putting on this glove and they're really stretching the rubber out of it and stuff. It's, it's a big theatrical performance. So you know something ominous is going on. Plus, also, he was already wearing gloves. Why is he putting on a special glove on top of it as well? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Maybe he just is really concerned about getting his paint on whatever he's about to touch, that he's got to double up with these gloves. Yeah. Plus, again, you know, he's, he's wearing a nice outfit. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to get it covered in dip um uh i think that's actually the mvp of this minute is the glove is the rubber glove because mm-hmm. it it is such a sort of ominous and like tone shift right mm-hmm. i mean it's not a tone shift tone shift's not the right way to say it but like you know doom's being doom and he's lecturing and he's upset and all that stuff but it's the moment when it escalates from doom just kind of talking to like i'm gonna do something about it yeah um, so that's also too just like because you know initially it is like oh he seems like a pretty intimidating guy and he's got these intimidating goofy side kicks but what can he really do <laughs> and then you see oh you know not only can he do that it's not a theory we're going to show you mm-hmm. <laughs> just how horrible it is what he does and stuff it's um oh it's really great work i know you yeah. say the, the, you know the most hated of minutes but it's like it's probably one of the best minutes in the movie as well yeah. because it's so well it's so well executed it is such executed. a good way to just like set to like this is going to happen to roger this is the consequences of the movie yeah we haven't been we haven't been counting or like keeping track but this is definitely one of the Oh, or the next minute is definitely one of the like, this maybe isn't a kid movie moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should probably, maybe we should track all of those and be like, this <laughs> is uh, example number 163. We're in minute 33. Um, yeah. <laughs> why this is not a kid 
a movie for kids. Say, I remember my, my dad has seen this because obviously he would watch it with me when I was little. I remember him in like recent years commenting on like, yeah, that Roger Rabbit movie you, you used to watch. Like that freaked me out. Like, <laughs> like him getting flattened at the end and like coming back because like a flat guy like, was, that, that was messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, watching it again this week at 34 years old. I was like, oh Christ. Yeah, that is, that is unsettling. <laughs> oh, what's that? It's now time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. Of course, I'm talking about Friday with Nish. It's Friday with Nish. Ooh, what a dish. Tell your mother. Tell your shrink. Tell us, Nish, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, this is the part of the show where we give a call to our friend Nish and see what he thinks about these three minutes of the movie that we've covered this week. Let's give him a call. Oh, hey, Nish. <laughs> oh, hey, Chris. Hey, Annie. How are, how are you guys? Oh, oh. Doing, doing well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. It's lovely to hear from you again. Welcome back. Thank you. It's uh, lovely to be back. And yeah. Yes. Discuss the new minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're past half an hour now. We are rolling along with mm -hmm. this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So uh, you just watched minutes 31 through 33. What did you think about them? Um, so, well, I was surprised a new character got introduced. You thought we were like all filled up with characters. You were like, you know what? Uh, this movie doesn't need any more characters. <laughs> 30 minutes in, you can introduce another character. That's fine. I mean, you know, <laughs> that happens. I accept it. And the judge, I'm uh, surprised by the investigative procedure here. What is the judge doing? But then the... the, the, the you're surprised that the judge is it participating within the investigation itself. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we don't give around territories to judges to just manage and maintain maintain law, you know, mm. that sort of thing. It's got very, it's got very like old timey sheriff vibe. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think I brought up the same thing. I was like, what is this? What are these rules? Yeah, it's it's it does seem very loosey goosey with uh, with the entire um, with the entire procedure and how they're letting yeah. them control it. Um, but you know, he's he's uh, talking about how he's from Toontown, so maybe the laws are just different over there. Yeah, I mean, he's also. I mean, he's human, and all the other humans are dressed for the time. Yeah, and he's put on a costume. Yeah. So, do you think this is inspired by the fact that he always has to work with tunes? I don't know. Oh, but oh, could you? Maybe, maybe once he was assigned the tune land, tune territory, he just decided to come in costume and look more. So I looked. I looked this up because I I said the exact same thing. I was like, why is he dressed like, yeah. uh, like Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, in the original novels, but apparently that whole get up with the cape and everything made sort of a comeback around this time. So I think it's less like he's dressed for the wrong period and more like he's just 
dressed like a loser from that period you know like uh like that weird kid at your high school who wore a zoot suit because he was really into swing dancing i see (laughs) well did you have one of those i had i I had a few (laughs) chris blair chris blair i feel like chris blair would have won something interesting (laughs) in high school oh yeah i did for sure i did for sure i think i have the judge doom outfit in my just the judge outfit. Well, you were a goth, no? High school? Yeah, yeah, I was. So, I mean, I had like, a, I had a trench coat. I had a top hat. I, I wasn't too far off from how, how Judge Doom dressed. <laughs> are you listening? Any kids who are listening who really want to make a splash at your high school, may we recommend the Judge Doom look, <laughs> especially the little tuft of hair. What, we also got to meet Judge Doom's henchmen. Any thoughts yeah, on those? Yeah, he's putting... Um, Tunes against tunes, classic, classic divide and conquer sort of a thing, and uh, yeah, little judge is even more racist towards the tunes than we've been in this movie. It's a little getting too much now. He's trying to like incite the what's your Eddie with the like oh remember this is a tune on call something and you know like he's doing it too much, um, but yeah, and then trying to control the tunes. Yeah, I don't like the judge, and mm. it's outside of his costume also. <laughs> <laughs> so you you don't like him as a dresser and as a person mm-hmm. the first impressions were bad and it only got worse as mm-hmm. he spoke uh i guess we'll ask the the one of the questions we normally ask because now we know now we know who roger rabbit will get framed for we've got those questions answered now um but uh who do you think framed roger rabbit I still think it's a conspiracy between the big corporate and the big studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying and, you thought it's possibly to do with the the transportation system, the the red car. That's the big corporation. <laughs> yeah. LA, big LA transportation and the big LA studios mm-hmm. are conspiring. And Judge, yeah, of course, you know, he's just a regular corrupt guy probably. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wait, so do you think he's part of the conspiracy or just this, he's just running his run of the mill? corruption it's just like a yeah just like a guy that you use you know a bad cop that you gotta yeah. use as part of a bigger scheme um yeah that's what i yeah that's what i'm standing by so i think my theories the theories uh, that were established uh, still continue to hold uh, also i think the more they mention that his uh, his brother was killed by uh, a tune the less i believe it they keep bringing it up and that was now the question is whether the same humans were involved we don't know but yeah and he uh, might have been onto something right we kind of established that he might have been onto something and that's why he was taken out that uh, eddie's brother was onto something yeah because weren't they supposed to be co-detectives or something mm-hmm. in the past history yeah, yeah, they were. Well, yeah, they were detectives who usually defended tunes. What do you think is going to happen to Roger? Um, <laughs> For those of you who uh, who don't have the visual on this, um, Nish looks like he was really taken aback by this question. <laughs> like, like oh, I think wow. <laughs> ending is ending is happy for him, right? I think what happens is. And the happy ending is, of course, you know, everything's going to be resolved, but romantically happy. 
Wait, I want to know. So, because uh, we've talked about this with other guests, Nish, how do you feel about Roger at this point in the movie? Oh, as a yeah, as I a never... well, not a person, but you know, a uh, an individual, <laughs> a rabbit, <laughs> as a rabbit, a rabbit as an actor, rabbit. Well, yeah, the question is, do does he deserve to be cheated on the way he was cheated on? <laughs> I just, sure. just in general, like any thoughts about like, you, you want to hang out with Roger? You I think he's know. like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, he would be in the comedy scene, so you probably would be running in the same circles as Roger. <laughs> Oh shit, we would have to hang out with Roger. Yeah, yeah, we definitely would. Roger, when the opening happened, the baby was the bad actor, right? Like, remember there was a baby scene mm -hmm. in the beginning. And I don't know how Roger's behavior was on the set because with the actor's behavior on the set really tells you a lot about what kind of a person they are. Yeah. Yeah, and well, the director was getting very mad at Roger because he wasn't... Uh, See, he kept getting hit with the refrigerator and he wasn't seeing stars like he was supposed to. Yeah, he's kind of goofball. Yeah. I think Roger would be um, like the guy in your improv class who um, just will not take the note that he doesn't need to add something to the scene like that's mm. already established and going on does not need to walk on and like plot twist we're in space like i think it's i think that would be roger's overall vibe yeah i think i i would accept some mild cheating against that kind of a person <laughs> mild cheating it's not like you know he's a look he's a he's a um he's a complicated protagonist very very complicated yeah i don't i don't think I don't hate him, but I don't also love him. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's interesting. So maybe the happy ending does not involve a romantic ending. Like, yeah, does he deserve it? Does he deserve true love? Uh, or, <laughs> or maybe he kind of becomes a little better person in the next and then it's kind of like, oh, let's let's get together mm. and have romance, continue that romance. Okay, but you definitely don't think he deserves uh, arrest or whatever is going, whatever. Well, he's getting framed for no good reason. So, mm -hmm. uh, but it's likely he might get arrested in the movie for a little bit for dramatic purposes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> increase the stakes i think i think there should be a, a lawyer at some point mm. that could that could help roger if he's actually getting arrested and truly getting framed like uh, mm. another character i mean we can now we're introducing characters anytime <laughs> so why not you think it's going to be like maybe like a 12 angry men sort of a situation <laughs> at least a few more it's that plus get glenn gary glenn ross and plus, um, plus, plus a little bit of like maybe some moonlighting mm. in there. Also, we got yeah. all those plots happening. Maybe a little few good men. Oh yeah, <laughs> few good men. So it's only dudes. You you are anticipating only only more dudes coming through. 
in this legal legal process. Listen, I uh, I didn't mean to bring that up, but uh, it was made in 1988, and also I don't think much has changed now, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was mostly just dudes from here on out. <laughs> Female actor they have in the movie until this point is the bartender. Well, if you don't count uh, Jessica Rabbit, actor. Oh yeah, but the for the voice, yes, yes. And I guess like there were other tunes that have. Well, and Jessica sing. has two voices. Oh yeah, that's true. She does have a sing different singing actress than uh, than the the voice actress. It's not a, yeah. It's not like La La Land where actors sing their own, <laughs> or any other Hollywood musical. Yeah. Yeah, not quite, not quite that. I mean, way. I don't know if it's a hot take, but I would watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit over and over and over again before I had to watch La La Land again. Is that a hot, was, a hot take according to Nish? I have seen La La Land maybe three or four times. Once was plenty for oh. me. Oh, I've seen it zero times so far. So. <laughs> we should do a podcast on it. <laughs> we'll do we'll do La La Land one minute at a time. It, it will be hosted by Annie and me. And <laughs> I would have seen it multiple times, and you would see it one minute, one oh. minute at a time. <laughs> oh, all right. This sounds fun. I'm in. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Nish. We'll uh, see you next week for the next few minutes. Yeah. Wait, wait for your uh, wait for your next call. Bye. Bye. I uh, should mention as well, though, uh, again, Mass, obviously mentioned it earlier in this very episode, big Simpsons fan. Uh, apparently the voice of the shoe is Nancy Cartwright. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know if she, I'm assuming she's not making the squeaking sounds. She's probably just doing little like <laughs> underneath and stuff, but I'm sure they have an actual squeaker there as well to heighten it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great performance by Nancy. Yeah, obviously, um, well, that's the thing, much like uh, Kirstie Swanson, though, like, um, you know, a little bit disappointed in Nancy Cartwright, because I believe she's a, a very active Scientologist, which is always oh, disappointing. I didn't hear. know that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I can't, you know, can't, you know, people are obviously free to believe whatever they want, but like, Scientology is a bit more. Where's David Miscavige's wife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, Scientology is, Scientology is an actively malignant cult. Like, it's, yeah. it is actually harming people. So yeah, can't yeah. get on board with that. But Nancy Cartwright weirdly liked a bunch of our pictures on Instagram for oh, Batman. Wow. I remember me, me and my co-host been like, should we, should we invite her on? I'm like, <laughs> why is Nancy Cartwright? And then her husband did as well. And was like, what is this? But it, it probably, it might've been a bot thing or something. Mm. But like, maybe, yeah, oh, maybe, the old maybe. Nancy Cartwright bot. <laughs> yeah, the the book. <laughs> I've never, I've never spoken about her on a podcast before. So if she seeks, if she's like, I like those guys, I'm going to seek out their guest spots and she hears me on this bad mouthing or religion good nancy you should get out of scientology <laughs> yeah dip, like dip that religion you against your <laughs> dip that quote religion uh, in, in a bucket of dip <laughs> <laughs> this has been the who analyzed roger rabbit podcast uh we are doing genre productions and you can check out other shows on duelinggenre.com. Check on the link for support. Uh, Niall, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can hear more of me uh, talking about Batman uh, quite extensively uh, and a, a whole range of other things as well because we go on tangents all the goddamn time <laughs> on the show. Uh, on Bat Minutes, uh, that's a podcast where we analyze 
uh, the Batman movies, uh, one minute at a time. It's right there. You can find it on all good podcatchers, and you can find us on all the social medias. Uh, just literally by typing Batman, it's more likely going to be us that pops up. We will see you on Monday for Minute 34 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit's. <laughs>